eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You are listening to Season 2, Episode 98, Cub Hall of Fame voting. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram. Of course, we're on Facebook and email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. During the offseason, baseball fans and Cub fans alike look forward to the results of the Hall of Fame voting for MLB, the National Baseball Hall of Fame announces the 2024 class in a live MLB Network broadcast, 5 p.m. Any players elected will be inducted into a ceremony, of course, in Cooperstown, New York. That's Sunday, July 23rd. Voting has already taken place for the 2024 Cubs Hall of Fame class. That'll be announced on January 12th over at CubsCon. And today on the Fly the W podcast, we welcome in David Hall, one half of the Mullion Haw Show on 670 The Score. Mornings, 5.30 until 10. David not only a Hall of Fame voter, but also a Cubs Hall of Fame voter. And we are lucky enough to have him give us a couple minutes of his time to talk about the process. Hey, David, afternoon. How are we doing? Doing well. Yeah, this was a, a big week because of the uh, Hall of Fame ballots due. The Cub Hall of Fame voting kind of got leaked or at least the talks talk about it. Thanks, Bruce Miles. And I think it's an interesting conversation. <laughs> so they kind of do intercross or uh, intersect. But, uh, you know, because of Sammy Sosa, even though he's not on the Baseball Hall of Fame ballot any longer, but there are still the questions surrounding what do you do with the PED guys? And, yeah, glad to discuss that and even the anniversary of Dansby Swanson signing if you want to. (laughs) Now, you know, I got to say, when yeah, I I didn't know it would blow up as big as it did when I tweeted that out. I went to the Bruce Miles. He had a a book talk, and and it was I just thought it was interesting. And the next thing I know, it did. Had over 150,000 like likes and stuff like that on there. So clearly people are interested in it. And and David, I was wondering how you got involved in the Cubs Hall of Fame committee and who else is also a part of that committee. Cool. Yeah. So we can start there, Crowley. And you, yeah, you're to blame, right? You're the one who got this rolling. <laughs> but but I think it's a conversation we've had before, Dustin. I think we even talked about it maybe last year or maybe one of the last couple of years. So I think it goes back maybe two years, the beginning of the Cub Hall of Fame. Um, and they wanted to do something to obviously, like a lot of teams, you see it with the Bulls, with the Ring of Honor, um, to to preserve their tradition, honor their heritage, all those things. And I uh, was one of probably a dozen, maybe, maybe eight to 10 media members that were contacted along with former Cubs and some other people, maybe 
a couple people in the organization to see if we'd be willing to be part of this committee. Uh, and they votes once a year. And I, I agreed to it, um, thought I would see how it would go. This is the second year that I've done it. Last year was the inaugural year, I believe. And Mark Grace and Sean Dunstan got in. And this year um, we were given a ballot. We could vote up the six players. They were trying to progress it. They're trying to do, do both, honor the way, way back Cubs and then not forget the kind of current day Cubs. And I think it's going up through the nine nineties through the nineties in this batch. But um, so that's, that's how I got involved with it. And they asked only that, uh, you know, you can talk about it, but don't reveal or divulge who you voted for. So David, you said you get a ballot who, I mean, are you at Liberty to say, do you know exactly? Is it, is it the Ricketts family who, who gets involved to decide who actually gets on the ballot that you guys end up voting for? Who gets on the ballot is a good question, and I've never had it very clearly answered. I don't think that it's any one guy. I do know that Ed Hartig, the historian, um, Big Jim is involved uh, in, the, in the organization. I think Crane Kenny may have a little bit of a say just as far as what's going on here, kind of an oversight thing. But to be honest with you, I don't know what Tom Ricketts' involvement is. I was basically told after we had this discussion um, – the inferences that we had on the air the other day, Dustin, I, I was told basically Tom Ricketts doesn't really uh, make any decisions about the convention or really policy based on who's on the Cub Hall of Fame ballot or not. So my sense is that Ed Hardig comes up with a list of qualified candidates based on their credentials, based on the statistics. And then there's an element of, let's face it, popularity and fandom. I think that's how you get Mark Grace and Sean and Dunstan on the first on the first ballot, that's why Jody Davis might be on this one. The fact what they meant to Cubs culture, and it is rather uh, arbitrary. Uh, it, there's a lot of things involved that may not have anything to do with, and it's not as it's not the same thing as the Baseball Hall of Fame criteria. It's it's vague, but I think that when it when it, you go back to it, the vagueness typically doesn't lead to controversy. But in the Sosa case, there is an element of that. So I think there's. There's that that's hard to, to, to wade through. I'd like to have a little bit more transparency. I'd like to have a bit more clarity. But the truth is, I really don't know who makes up the ballot. Well, this is the third class that's going in. And I don't know if you guys were involved yeah. in the first class. The first class was Jose Cardinal, Pat Hughes and Buck O'Neill. Thank you. Then, Carly. I knew I was forgetting somebody. Yeah. So this is the third one. Thank you. Yes. And then Grace and Dunstan was last year. Now, obviously, uh, you know, Dustin and I grew up in the 80s, big 84 Cubs guys. This is the 40th anniversary. When they give you the ballot, do they say, hey, you know, this is the you know the 80s and the 84 team? Is there something that's kind of mentioned? Do you guys consider those type of things like the 40th anniversary? So when they put the names on the ballot, and there were 12 names on this year's ballot, uh, they're – also is an accompanying meeting that uh, the, the voters are able to gather and they talk about all these things. So that did come up. I, I wasn't able to attend this year's committee meeting, but I did get a, a, a tape of it. And so they go through every one of the, um, every one of the candidates and, and why 84 was special and what they meant to in uh, 98 or whatever, you know, Kerry Wood is on this year's ballot, for example, not exactly, you know, divulging secrets there. So 
Kerry Woods, uh, you know, for the, the start that everybody remembers when he set the record at Wrigley. And, and I think um, there are other guys who reflect an era. Dallas Green, his name is on the ballot. So I think, yeah, the specific niche each guy may have carved in Cub history is definitely brought up during these meetings. And, and it's, it's, I would liken it to we all kind of know through Dan Pompey in Chicago how the NFL, the Pro Football Hall of Fame electors get together. It used to be before the Super Bowl. Now it's at a different time. But basically you get into the room and you talk baseball. And so Cubs baseball, I missed it this year and I regret missing it. I just had a conflict. But it's, it's kind of where all those things come up. And it's not just media members, right? There's former players that are involved, which is another kind of wrinkle to it, which I think is pretty cool that they have a say in who is representing them as uh, Hall of Famer, Cub Hall of Famers. I think you're right, Dustin. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the coolest thing, to be honest with you, because uh, – or one of the coolest things is that you don't want to say no to this because all of a sudden you're like – you know, you're in there and, and, and Fergie Jenkins is on there and uh, Rhino's involved. And there, there's some other ex-players that you, you want to you kind of want to know what their perspective is. And uh, that's why that's why it's it's valuable. They're going to come at it from a far different way than, than a lot of media members who cover the team. They lived it. So if they say yay or nay to Sosa or yay or nay to Dallas Green, I want to hear why. I'm kind of curious to. You know, you can't really know how they're voting, but you can know how they're thinking. And that's some of the best parts of this, because you're not just getting you're just not getting the baseball writers uh, a viewpoint here. You're getting people that understand the specific culture and traditions of a franchise. And really, from the player's perspective, people who wore the uniform and represented them. Now, you know, do you think it's going to be harder for Sammy to get the votes from the sport, from the journalists or from his, the former Hall of Fame, from the Hall of Famers? That's a great question. That, that's a great question, Crowley. I, I would think that, I, I would think almost it'd be from the players uh, because there are a lot of people that, you know, my, my stance has been with the Baseball Hall of Fame that if you have a link uh, to, to PEDs and you're under suspicion that I'm not going to vote for you. And I think that it's easier when you're in the media to draw a, a hard line because, you know, it, it's not, not anything that I ever was tempted by. If you're a player, I think you'd go both ways, too. I mean, maybe players are more. Um, it's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. More forgiving, but then I'm thinking about what Ryan Sandberg's, uh, Ryan Sandberg's comments when he went in, and, and they were very pointed and direct. So I, I think that in the case of Sammy Sosa, my perception is, the media covering the Cubs, maybe not on this committee necessarily, but the media covering the Cubs would be more permissive and accepting all this all these years later, maybe some more conciliatory than maybe some of the players who did it the clean way, did it their way, and resent any you know celebration of somebody who who was thought not to have done that. Now, I think the likelihood of Sosa getting in is probably small. If he was to get in, and you've 
been involved in some, you've told some great stories about an interview that almost was. Do you think Sammy would accept the invitation? I was kidding with somebody who was involved in the uh, incident I, I've talked about on the air. I think it was 2015 when we were doing the Cap and Haw show. We were summoned down to South Florida. And I love it. it was, summoned. We were summoned. <laughs> we went to work that day. We we're going to do the show and we canceled the show because we were summoned to South Florida. Sammy had something to say. And we flew down there. We got involved. We were getting ready to get into the cab. Those before it was Ubers. We were getting ready. Got, we brought a camera person from Ryan McGuffey from NBC Sports Chicago, uh, a <laughs> producer. We were all down there. We we're all ready to go. And then Sammy, at the 11th hour, after we landed, it sent word. No, the Dominican government apparently had gotten involved. Um, he wasn't going to come clean. He wasn't going to acknowledge what we thought he was going to acknowledge. We had all the questions. I prepared the entire flight. And it was no go. So I tell that with the context and always remember that because even though Sammy Sosa could be inducted into the Cub Hall of Fame, and I don't know if he made it or not right now, guys, I really don't. If he does get inducted and there is a schedule where he's planning to attend the Cub convention and it's supposed to be at 515, Pat Hughes will introduce him at whatever hotel they're having at this year. And all of a sudden, you know what? Until he walks out on that stage, I will not believe he's going to show. And I will not be confident that he will. It'll be like, all right, Sammy's ready. We're all here. I've been burned before. I'm not going to fall for it again. Until he's hugging Pat Hughes on the stage, I'm not buying it. So that's what it would take. And, Dustin, I think that's what it would – That's I think that's what would happen, right? If, if they're welcoming Sammy back in and they're going to induct him into their Hall of Fame, all's forgiven, not forgotten, all's forgiven – and I think that's kind of fun thing to consider because I think a lot of people, and I even catch myself like, boy, that would be cool. And then, you know, I, I'm not voting for him. I never voted for him for the Baseball Hall of Fame because I have what I said. But there, there, there's got to be a middle ground here. There, there's got to be a way to acknowledge what he was accused to have done and maybe him take some responsibility the way other players of his era have and been embraced. My God, how many times is A-Rod on television? He's a spokesman for MLB. So I think Sammy Sosa could be back in the Cub fold if they wanted him to be. Is it conditional? If it is, those are easy conditions, I think, for Sammy to meet because other players have met him. But, David, you, know, you also have your Hall of Fame vote for Cooperstown, and this is the ballot that you that you just had released. And it's, I think it's cool that you make it public, but you pick six players. You can choose up to ten. When you go through this process, you get the list – what is the first thing you kind of start doing when you're thinking to yourself, okay, who am I going to vote for for the Hall of Fame? Well, I go through it and I eliminate the people I'm not going to vote for immediately. James Shields comes to mind. What's he doing on the ballot? <laughs> uh, so I get rid of guys like that um, who don't really have a chance. I re, uh, re-examine whether or not I believe what I believed last year about the PEDs, if anything's involved. And then I, I, I look at some uh, – I think Fangraphs is, is a great resource in situations like this because of their – way they measure all the metrics. And then you kind of go through, Dustin and I were talking on the other, the other day, you know, does this guy pass the test? Is he a Hall of Famer when you say his name? Joe Maurer, it was for me. Adrian Beltre, eh, a little less so. But then when you look at the numbers, it's like, oh my gosh, he's got better number than Joe Maurer. So the first time guys, you think, well, do they pass the, the litmus test in terms of name recognition? And then you start to probably, it's, it's, it's as easy as like, just if you're writing a, if I, you know, if I were writing a feature about a guy, I want to know everything about his career 
you do the research, you try to do some reporting. I might talk to a couple of voters that I know still, and hey, what are you thinking about this? Is this a good idea? What do you think about Billy Wagner? What do you think about Todd Helton? To get a cross-section of opinions, make sure you're not quite just on an island or, or a personal agenda. And then you sit down, you check the boxes, you do the research, and you make your case. Hey, David, for this audience, I know the answer, but uh, can you share the woulda, coulda, shoulda about Joe Maurer and the Cubs connection potentially? Okay, yeah, 2001 MLB draft. There, Joe Maurer was a high school 18-year-old in St. Paul who grew up five miles from the Twins um, complex, from the Twins organization, from downtown Minneapolis. And they had the number one pick. Cubs had the number two pick. In that year, Mark Pryor was a USC pitcher everybody wanted and was going to be the guy ticketed for stardom. And so he says uh, he doesn't want to sign. He won't sign with anybody unless they guarantee him a major league contract. He's on the 40-man roster, and that means all the millions guaranteed. Well, the Twins the twins were not going to you know, just roll over and say, okay, because it's, it's not a big market team, and he wanted to be treated like a big market player already. The Cubs had them the number two pick. And the Twins, minutes up until minutes before they drafted, thought they might draft Mark Pryor still. And then things broke down. Ten minutes before the draft, they get on the clock. The In the room, as the story goes, according to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, they didn't know who they're going to vote or, or, or draft, according to some executives there. They hand in the name Joe Maurer. They call him. He's at his parents' home. or He's living five minutes away. He's got a baseball game that afternoon because it's noon. He's playing at 3 o'clock. He's got a party in the in the first floor. He's in his parents' basement, picks up the phone. He was drafted by the Twins. They're five miles away. So he also had committed to play football at Florida State. Um, he was a quarterback, great athlete. He decided to go with the Twins. Mark Pryor falls to the Cubs. The Cubs were looking at Mark Teixeira, probably. They might not have drafted Joe Maurer number two. They probably would have leaned toward Mark Teixeira uh, from Georgia Tech with the number two spot who ended up having a great career as well, but it could have gone prior to Shara and then maybe Maurer, who knows where. Instead, it went Maurer, prior, and then to Shara. Uh, and I think that the rest the rest is history. But Joe Maurer stayed home and was one of probably the greatest athletes in Minnesota history. Now, David, you know, there, there were three guys that got really, really close to getting inducted last year. You, you had Todd Helton at 72%. Billy Wagner at 68 and Andrew Jones, 58. You voted for all three. For me, when I look at these guys with Helton, I think the whole Colorado and the offense thing is just kind of silly. When I think about Billy Wagner, I don't know why people don't recognize closers as for their importance that they have. And then Andrew Jones is just a guy whose numbers, who I remember defensively being one of the best in his position and just being a great hitter. And I feel like he doesn't get a lot of love. Uh, which of those three do you really feel confident is going to get in? And which one are you pretty sure is not going to get in? Billy Wagner, I think, is the one I would say as a closer is going in. He's got the lowest whip of any pitcher of the modern era. He's got a 2.3 career ERA. This guy saved 422 games. That's a ton. And so not here's, here's the stat. Not No pitcher since 1900 with at least 900 innings pitched allowed fewer hits per nine innings than Wagner. He's got to get in. The one I'm shaky on. Well, I think Andrew Jones deserves to go in. I'm not sure he's going to. He's a 10-time Gold Glove winner. He was on some great Braves teams, but he started to decline after hitting 30, and then he never quite made that up. He has a ton of career home runs, only center fielder with at least 400 homers and a defensive war of 24 or higher. I think he may have a better chance than Todd Helton. Todd Helton's going through the path that was traveled by and paved 
by Fred McGriff. If Fred McGriff can get in, goodness sakes, I think Todd Helton <laughs> deserves in because he's got the numbers. I know he played in Colorado. I don't think you can penalize – Crawley, I think it's a good point. It's a great debate. But if you're going to penalize guys for playing in ballparks like that, should you also maybe penalize – are you going to have the same standard to guys who play in big markets? Because they're going to be more popular – because they're going to get more attention. If Joe Maurer had played in New York, he'd be a no-brainer. Goodness sakes, he wouldn't be this guy who played in Minnesota and was overlooked all those years. So I think you got to take a consistent approach to all of those factors that you can't control, and it's not Todd Helton's fault that he hit in great altitude. David, thanks so much for the time. Good luck with the uh, Take the North Bears podcast uh, for our Cubs listeners who are looking for some great uh, Bears content, great NFL content. Check that out. Have a great holiday. and appreciate you jumping on the uh, – Fly the W670 podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. A lot of fun.